And I welcome you back to the Bill Bennett Show. I'm joined by Claude Jennings. Claude, how are you? I am doing okay. Yeah, this is kind of a breathless day. For <laughs> a little rushed. Yeah. A little rushed. We try to offer thoughtful conversation about the news of the day and address the threats to America, and I think there are many right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a kind of summit meeting of the American Strategy Group today. Joining me today, Brian Kennedy and Joel Farkas. Brian is president of the American Strategy Group. He's also the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger. China. Joel Farkas is director of the American Strategy Group, and I am a fellow of the American Strategy Group in Washington. Are you affiliated with the American Strategy Group? Uh, by affiliation with you, yes. Okay, so by I'm proximity. By affiliation, yes. By proximity. <laughs> well, we'll let you in anyway. All right, but first, uh, <laughs> a few things we'll discuss. Not much sports to be thinking about right now. And don't tell me about baseball. I'm not interested. Okay. Some golf matches. I watched the USFL. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought I watched it too with Manny, and yeah. he he loved it. I thought it was fine. No yeah. one in the crowds, but no, I thought it was it was good yeah, to see good. football. Yeah. Uh, NBA playoffs interest you at all? Not at all. Not okay. at all. Yeah. <laughs> College game, yes, but not the pro game. Not not in the least. Anyway, how long till preseason football? I guess. Uh, well, the cool thing is that there were some um, oh, spring, spring games, games for yeah. college yeah. football. So we yeah. saw that, but yet, well, NFL draft uh, coming up next week. Well, that's good. That's good. Can't yeah. wait for that. That'll help. Yeah, it's a whole help. weekend situation, and then right around you know end of July, early August, we'll mm-hmm. get back to training camp with NFL. And uh, okay, it's not yeah. too long. No, it's not too long. Just enough time to kind of get outside, go fishing a little bit. Uh, oh, fishing. <laughs> yeah, just do something fun. Do you for the, fish? Uh, when I'm on vacation near the water, yes. But I don't I don't make it like a priority to go. I should, though. Manny always has a good time when we go. So I, should. I grew do you, up doing that with my father. What do you fish Alpha. for? Uh, well, that's the thing. You and like, Manny. Whatever's in the water. Like, and that's the thing. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not like... I'm, I'm, you know, freshwater fishing for, you know, trout or bass. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Whatever's yeah. in the in the in the water. Yeah, and you don't put it on the hook for Manny. No, I make him do it himself. Yeah, yeah. he's nine. He can. Yeah, he can. He can. No, no, I mean, don't put the fish on the hook. Oh, <laughs> and tell him. He, tell him he caught something. No, <laughs> no, I don't. People who do that. Really? Yeah. Put the fish on the hook. We were on a trip once, a Swanko trip, and captain of the. Boat, you know, he said, uh, would you like lobster for dinner? We said, sure, you know. So mm-hmm. Dove down off the side of the boat, came up with two lobsters. Get out of here. I said, he planted those things down there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, never did that. find out. Mrs. Bennett was impressed. He was kind of kind of a handsome guy, too. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway but that's okay. So, Dr. Bill, I'm not really a huge supplement guy. I'm not a protein shake guy. I don't do a lot of vitamins and stuff like that. But my wife's been getting on me. She says you need to eat better, take some supplements, get some vitamins. You're getting older, and you've got to watch out for your health. And so I started taking AG1, Athletic Greens. But here's the thing. I didn't really have time to go through a whole regimen of things. Uh, But, yeah, could use more energy. Uh, You know, everyone wants to boost their immune system, especially with the latest pandemic. But I don't really like pills, don't really like vitamins. If I can have a supplement that actually is easy to take, fits into my normal routine and doesn't taste really bad, I'm all for it. So, again, introduced to AG1, decided to give it a try. And here's the thing about it. 
one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. I don't even know what an adaptogen is, but it's in there, and it's to help you start your day right. So this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging, all the things that my wife seems to be worried about when it comes to me and my health. And I'm worried about it, too. I want to make sure that I do things right. So here's how I take my AG1. It comes in a great package. They send you the powdery mix. It's all in the bags and stuff there. But they also send you a water bottle, and it's got the measurements, how many ounces, so you don't have to guess the measurement. You take one serving of the powder, 8 to 12 ounces of water. You shake it up, and then you take it. I do it in the morning, and let me tell you, I do feel more energetic. And I just feel good knowing that the essential vitamins and minerals and all the things that I need to be healthy, I'm consuming it in this one drink. Now, here's the thing about taste. Because that's one of the things I worry about. I'm going to be honest. It's not as if it's cookies and cream ice cream, okay? It's a supplement. It's not coffee with a ton of sugar and hazelnut cream. That's not what it is. It's a supplement. But I will say this. It's the best supplement that I tasted. It just kind of tastes like flavored water a little bit. And that's fine with me. I was actually pleasantly surprised about how it tastes. Now, I actually would recommend this to family and friends, which is why I'm sharing it here on the podcast. Here's the cool thing about it. Number one, it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this is good for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 per day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens AG1 was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. So he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. So listen, right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. Simple and nutritious. One scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash bill. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash bill to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's welcome back Brian Kennedy and Joel Farkas to the show. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hello, Bill. Hey, Brian. Hey, Bill. Where do you want to start? The state of the country? Uh, Brian, what the heck is going on? And uh, let's pick up where we left last time. I said, well, things don't look very good in the country right now, but at least the public's reacting to it and reacting to the presidency of Joe Biden. And um, it looks like, you know, they, they really want to change things. Yeah, I think I think that that seems right. It seems to me like the calm before the storm, in a way. The country is still trying to figure out what in the heck's going on here. And the economy is in a very weird place. 
Inflation is running rampant. Joe Biden doesn't seem to know where he is or what he's doing. He looks to be committing America to the start of World War III. And people should rightly be concerned that America's national leadership is in deep crisis right now. And I do think that when I say calm before the storm, it seems to me the uh, People are looking now and deciding who's going to govern them in the future. And even though it's only April, people are going to be looking for the fall and wondering, how do I change all this? Right. Primary season is in the we're in the middle of primary season are going to be shortly. And people are going to be looking for new leadership to get America back on track, because what they're right. seeing today looks like a real crisis. That's a nice encapsulation. Um, Joel. Yeah, yes. Um, but let's let's talk about inflation and, and President Biden. Inflation isn't transitory. Um, you know, a year, year and a half ago, that's all we heard from uh, from the administration or they said they didn't really say it. They were just kind of agreeing with it. Let's let's be clear. Um, the Ukraine war didn't cause inflation. Inflation's not transitory. The reason we have inflation worldwide and in particular the United States is because of high energy costs, oil and gas. That did not happen when Russia a few months ago invaded Ukraine. It happened a year and a year and a half ago and it, continue, it continues. So let's just all be clear that that is what is causing all these problems from in the worldwide economy. What does high energy costs do? Well, all manufacturing of goods costs a lot more. If you're a middle-class American or you're a middle-class citizen in any country in the world, your heating, your transportation, your cooling, your food costs. Remember, food is grown and needs fertilizer, which is a petroleum product. All these things go through this, this whole process of manufacturing all these goods. Again, housing costs, um, energy costs, transportation costs, food costs. That doesn't mean every single good and service that the, that the consumers buy in the world are inflationary, but the biggest ones are caused by energy. And that's what's causing it. It's not the Putin inflation war that caused it. And it's been going on for a year, year to year and a half. And it, and it will continue because as Brian said, the Biden administration, whether they don't have any idea what they're doing or whether they don't care, that's like getting into the mind of a roach. I don't know what they think, but they're wrong when they say it's transitory and they're wrong when they say it's caused by some event that happened three months ago. They're just wrong. Was the starting gun, Joel, uh, the, the day one, the cancellation of the XL pipeline? It's a series of the cancellation of the XL pipeline. The starting has really been, quite frankly, 12 years ago when our several administrations, predominantly the Obama administration and most recently the Biden administration, allowed Russia to abandon their pipeline of transporting gas through the through Ukraine to Western yeah. Europe and replace it with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and to allow Germany and others to accept them as their primary supplier. In December of 20, this last year, 2021, natural gas prices that Europe was paying predominantly to Russia were the equivalent of about $7 in MMC, MMCF, which is our, our, our metric here in, in the United States. The United States was paying uh, lower than that. And about a year, six months ago, about three fifty dollars uh, for the same natural gas. All that has happened now is we are now, our prices are now $7, just like Europe was paying. But it was caused beginning 12 years ago when we, you know, I just saw Janet Yellen 
um, announced that we that the United States needs to help uh, bolster the economy of the Ukraine. For God's sakes, we destroyed the economy of of the Ukraine, allowing yeah. Russia to do what they did. She's she's just she, that's it's nonsense. And then we have these. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm ranting here, but no, 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 that's fine. But but then um, then we then we have these 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 the, the, these news outlets who have viewership lower than probably most social Instagram models trying to tell the people of America what's going on. They're wrong, too. Yeah. yeah one of the things you said was that this is um, this was, at the beginning. You said this inflation is not transitory. It'll go on for a long time. If if this administration were to somehow expand its brain to be larger than the brain of a roach, as you put it, and, and see the light and turn on the on the gas and the liquefied natural gas and the fossil fuel otherwise, how long would it take for for things to get better months you know qatar just announced months, they're, okay. they're, they're expanding uh spending 30 billion dollars to expand lng production and they had already uh, two years ago made the investment of about 30 billion dollars to expand their lng production they're now looking at substantially increasing it and they're talking to every western country in the world and what they they won't tell us who they're talking to everyone wants to remain quiet why do they want to remain quiet because they all have these hysterically hypocritical um, net zero carbon emission uh, pledges and this ESG requirement. That is the biggest bunch of nonsense that, that the American public has ever listened to. None of these no. companies, none of these countries, none of our allies are following ESG requirements. They're not following net zero requirements and, and they're just decimating the middle class people of the world. Let me let me just uh, follow up here, Joel, for for a minute, Brian. Okay with you because this is so interesting. Is it the mind of a roach? They do not know, or or they are so committed to the ideology of uh, you know no fossil fuels and so and no etc. That you know there's nothing that blinds like like ideology that they're going to go through full full steam ahead, uh, or is, is it something else? Is is ignorance, or is it willful, or as some people have suggested, two other alternatives. One, uh, if Trump was in favor of it, uh, they're opposed to it. Uh, that's sufficient reason. Uh, and uh, four, you know, they want to destroy the country. Yes. <laughs> I think actually, Bill, it, it's it's more than, I, mean, I agree with Joel, of course. It's incompetence at one level and just pure ideological fervor to try to meet these requirements, even though they know they're not doing it. Then there's the the take that it's just trying to destroy the country. And people will say, well, golly, why would they want to destroy the country? It's their country too, right? And so when you say that the Biden administration's a wrecking crew of sorts, even though it's what you're seeing on TV and on the internet and what elsewhere, it doesn't quite make sense to anybody, right? But what it may be is they know they have to break the country down in some very fundamental ways in order to rebuild it. If you really want to get America off fossil fuels, if you really want to have a society with diversity, equity, and inclusion, if you really want to you know, meet all these climate change restrictions, if you really want to have you know transgenderism, you really want to have all the crazy social justice objectives they have, you have to so destroy the economy and the fabric of life so that people will be willing to accept something new. And I think that's I think that's kind of what we're going through today. They're in the destruction mode and then they will be in the recreation mode into something else. 
because they are very, very ideologically motivated. They don't want to destroy it just for the sake of destroying it. They want to destroy it so they can remake this into their progressive ideal state, which is a globalist view of the world. You agree, Joe? I, I do agree. And and we can see it because, you know, we, we can spend our time saying these these energy policies are nuts. The East Med pipeline that we canceled in January the, for Greece and Israel, which was which would supply Western Europe's um, energy needs for electricity and utilities. We just called them up and said, we're not supporting it anymore. We canceled it. That was, pr- by the way, prior to the invasion of Ukraine. So there's all these examples of the destruction that Brian just referred to. And yeah, they, they do want to recreate it. And they want to recreate it in terms of this, this kind of urban sort of construct that our academics and our planners and our and our elected officials seem to admire, which, by the way, the American people to to make sure that sure that we don't forget this, the American people are denying that they're they're ignoring that they're not listening to that. And this is not, you know, I, I see that uh, you know some of the uh, some of the news channels that I referred to just earlier say people are moving out of urban areas because of inflation that just happened recently. Well, that's patently untrue, too. People have been moving out of urban areas since 1950s. The urban population of America was about 24% in 1950. It's now down to 15%. So this whole idea of trying to come up with, with, with journalists, quote unquote, journalists coming up with a reason why some why, why American citizens are doing what they're doing. They just make it up. There's no data. There's no evidence. And I believe only because I see the data and the evidence that most of Americans are not going to accept the destruction that Brian referred to. They are abandoning these unsafe I mean, it used to be just be housing costs we talked about and energy costs and, and transportation costs. Now it's just unsafe and unhealthy to live in these locales where, you know, people who want to be tyrants and oligarchs want to control. Let's play that out a little bit on the, on the political side, not in terms of, uh, you know, who's going to win what. But let's just assume uh, that you're right about the people and not buying it. And so the people come back in the in the fall and put in a Republican House. Let's say they, for the sake of the argument, they put in a Republican Senate. How much of this can be accomplished with those two? I said, you know, if you were to reverse course, how long would it take? You said months. But yeah, I don't think you can reverse course, certainly not fully, without the president. So let's assume there's a self-corrective thing here, as, as often is the case with America. And the American people say, no, we're not buying that, as you say, Joel. Uh, and, um, you know, put in a Republican House or Republican Senate. What can they do uh, realistically on just on this point about about gas and fossil fuels? One thing they can do is these ESG requirements, they prohibit investment in new new investment in anything that's going to use natural gas, okay. environmental social governance standards. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. And one of the things they say, they just prohibit anything that uses natural gas in the future. One of the things they can do is say, we're not going to listen to that. We're going to use natural gas to heat our homes. But you're just not going to listen to that. In many ways, there's there's a there's a myriad of things, but that's just one one simple thing. But do you think with a with a Republican different thinking, a Republican House and Senate, uh, this course can be and will be, would be reversed? Well, you know, I don't know. The, the Republicans, there, there are some very good Republicans, but a lot of them are feckless and also very much wed to the establishment and the globalist project more broadly. Witness Mitch McConnell as as the poster child of that. He is probably the most powerful man in the 
Senate, and he doesn't subscribe necessarily to anything we've been saying this morning. Pretty unified view, though. I think among Republicans on on this issue, that would be in agreement with the discussion so far, whatever Mitch McConnell thinks. Yes, I think that's probably true. But, I mean, we're talking about making a fight here, and McConnell in the Senate does not seem to be making much of a fight. So they're going to get power in the fall, and then they're going to make a fight, I guess. And they could impeach Joe Biden and put someone else in there if we're really in a crisis, and we're really in a crisis. So are they going to do that? They should. And let's see what happens. I mean, the House would have to impeach him, and the Senate would have to try him. But we're in a crisis period here where Americans' lives are being destroyed. And I also think the power of the federal government is very extensive here because we've talked about energy and expansive. Well, I mean, it's expansive. Yes, but it it, it can, uh, what I was saying was it can extend to almost any part of life. And the part part that I'm, yeah, the part that I'm thinking of is, is the financial system because I I've been going through all these documents of the world economic forum and their take on these things called central bank digital currencies and the prospect of a central bank digital currency. And when you read these documents, these are the same people who brought you, you know, preparations for the pandemic and what have you. And they do have an agenda for remaking the world along these lines that we've talked about from whether it's climate change or social justice or what have you. And now their new thing theme which has been on their minds for at least the last decade, is the emergence of a central bank digital currency to replace traditional fiat currencies. Now, if that happens in the United States, where the use of the dollar is changed and people no longer have the use of the dollar, the way in parts of China they no longer have use of any kind of Chinese currency, and they have to go to a digital currency like the digital yuan, or we'll call it the digital dollar here in this country, you'll see the ability of government to control the lives of people even more. And I don't put I don't put it past the other side by the other side, meaning both Joe Biden, the Democrats and the Federal Reserve Bank, without it all sounding conspiratorial here. I would not put it past them to create the crisis economically and financially that would hasten in the imposition of a central bank digital currency as a way of achieving their goals. If the Democrats really think they're going down to political defeat, what will they do to preserve power? Right. And this assumes yeah. we're going to have free, free and fair elections in the fall. But this central bank digital currency, we don't have to explore it extensively today, but or expansively either. We can just put a marker down that this is something I think Americans should be looking into. What do these central bank digital currencies really mean? What will it mean for your life? Because in a world of inflation, the government doesn't have that many tools to stop it. And they may want to run the U.S. economy through a central bank digital currency as a way of controlling your life. And I say that not to be provocative so much as to to at least lay down a marker for Americans and your audience to be looking into and exploring, because there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal. And the Democrats today are that wounded animal. What Brian is, is saying is this is another tool to control large populations. 
I mean, whether I talk about housing and urbanization or Brian talks about digital currency or we can talk about energy, we have all these all these things are tools for a small group of ideologues to control the population. And anyone who doesn't believe that that's not only part, but the primary part of these elected officials objective is really not paying attention because they do it over and over again. Let's look at you look at CNN. They just shut that thing down in 30 days. Netflix lost $50 billion yesterday. Why why did that happen? Well, Netflix was this stock that was trading based on growth. It's just, I mean, so, so everyone, so your audience just needs to be aware of this. It's not that, that the world is all stupid, but they were investing on something that is just purely centered around growth. And then a day came by and they said, oh my God, we have no more growth. Therefore, it, the, the, the valuation of this quote unquote, you know, uh, 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 indispensable company just got slaughtered in a day. Explain this to me. It's different from CNN. No one was listening to tuning into CNN Plus. Every young person I know talks about Netflix and watching Netflix. But that's not the their, point. Their, their stock price was valued based on this ever-increasing, you know, 2 okay, million ever so increasing. subscribers. Okay. And, they found, and they lost several hundred thousand subscribers. Um, uh, in, okay. in, so their stock price, but the whole point is everyone invested and believed this company was this, was, was this ever-growing company. And then within 24 hours, everyone realized, wait a second, it's not that company any longer. Explain and to me, because that, I don't know economics and, 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 and companies and so on, but they had a fairly good audience, unlike CNN, but they didn't have the growth. Is that the problem? And, and they, sp- they spent a lot of money on creating content. Uh, they made some money with their increasing audience, but not a enough to actually substantiate the valuation of the company. Okay. I mean, okay, good, good so now the company okay, is you. being valued as something, uh, as just a normal company in terms of how much money it makes, which means that the world, and this was Brian, what Brian was headed to with, with the Federal Reserve and all these things, the world is trying to create their notion of a valuation of a currency or in the stock market or in, the, in Wall Street, it's a valuation of a company based on the metrics they're talking about. You know, the currency, we can talk about a, a lot. Uh, Netflix, it's growth versus a, a profitable company and what kind of earnings okay. they make. But it's, some, but it's somebody else's identification of what they think you should look at, your audience should look at in terms of the valuation. And no, yeah. your audience should look at what they think the valuation is and what they are investing in. If I told somebody, go invest $50 billion dollars on something that's going to continue to grow forever, they would look at me like I'm crazy. Why would I do that? Yet people do that because people convince them that that's the way they should look at it. This may also just be the common sense of the American people here too, right? Netflix grows and grows because we're all been we've all been locked down for two years, and people are have been uh, yeah, sitting in front yeah. sitting in front of their computers or their televisions watching. Yeah, you know, yeah. 42, 42 seasons of the of the Tiger King or whatever that <laughs> god awful show was, and all of a sudden it's springtime in America, and they don't have to wear masks anymore. Thank you, Judge Mazel, and they realize they like human interaction and going out, and they don't want to sit in front of you know the TV screen anymore and watch Netflix. And when they do do it, Netflix even says people share their passwords with one another and their family. And Netflix said this is one of their problems. They they 
not figured out a way around that just yet. Yeah. I guess they probably could, but they're, they're still figuring it out. And so that's why human beings are acting pretty rationally and not wanting to be glued in front of the TV anymore. And I think that's a very healthy thing. The other thing, though, which I think people should take more seriously, and this, is, this ties into our conversation, is that people are, are being squeezed because of inflation and they're they're dropping things from their family budgets yeah, yeah. that just don't fit and inflation like is yeah. and inflation is so high right now people are making discretionary choices and saying golly do we really need that netflix subscription and the answer is no and we'll watch it some you know, we'll watch something else and they're making yep. rational choices in a healthy way and they're getting rid of it. But it does it does suggest an underlying crisis here when it comes to inflation and the economy yeah. that people yeah. need to take seriously. I was studying economics in college, late 70s, early 80s, and we had this term called stagflation that no economist had even uttered in their lifetime, in their career. It's stagnant growth and inflation. Didn't they? Nobody ever thought that it could happen. And here we are today. We don't have stagnant growth, but we have slower growth. We have inflation. We have all these kinds of things that happened 50 years ago that we're actually looking at again today. And it takes a lot of bad policy for the country like the United States in that situation. All right. You guys have talked about the threats uh, coming from our economy and our leadership and our governance. We hold out uh, the hope and expectation of a change in uh, the House, possibly in the Senate. You guys think the Senate rolls, by the way, to the Republican side? Yes, no? Yes, absolutely. I agree with Brian's assessment, though. Um, I think Congress, all of Congress will roll the Republicans. Um, that does not necessarily translate to the Republicans championing these yeah, the right uh, ideas that we're talking about. Yeah. No, I, now, I we do have some good people. Governor DeSantis, um, I have to comment that what he's doing with Disney right now is very, it's, I mean, it's just unbelievably stand up. I don't even know the right word, but he, he's doing something that very few elected officials would ever do. And he's doing the right thing with uh, uh, passing new legislation to take away Disney's unlimited, unbridled power in, in yeah, Florida. I heard the argument the other day from a conservative that uh, although Disney's behavior is obnoxious and ridiculous, that this use of government power is not a wise precedent. Supposing a um, Democrat governor decides he doesn't like Chick-fil-A, policies on being closed on Sundays, I think, you know, or Hobby Lobby, uh, that this is not this is not what this conservatives should be reluctant to embrace this on grounds that it's uh, an exercise, a raw exercise of government power uh, uh, against uh, against the private sector. I know you're not saying that, Bill, but I would say that's loser speak that DeSantis is standing up for the families of Florida he made he he signed into law a bill that made sure that people you know third grade and below it should have been high school and below frankly don't get taught sexuality by public school teachers and would rather leave that to their parents which makes perfect sense how about how about and not at all not at all not at all. Right? I, you know, one of the smartest things I ever heard about sex education, I need to be careful saying it in the same house where my, where my wife is because she, you know, she works with kids on issues like this, was uh, when someone said, better off they learn in the street than they learn from these professional sex educators. And I, I have to agree that's probably true. It'll with be more honest. Sex- this is the job of moms and dads. This, this is not complicated. Correct. This is a job correct. of mom, moms and dads. That's what DeSantis was trying to. And so he goes up against a company like Disney. He's saying you have the most powerful media company in the world. 
Disney that has all this this influence. And they start making war against him. And he just takes a hard look at that and says, well, wait a minute. How are they governed? It's not a raw use of you know political power. It's a responsible use of political power to make sure that that this this really immense power that Disney has is not used for ill, either culturally or politically. To your conservative who said that be, be wary, you know, conservatives be wary. Uh, what Brian just said is is. It's absolutely correct. Be wary of what? This is what Democrats have been doing. And this is what Disney just did. They use their unbridled power to expand what they do, which is run a theme park. And then they are now a media company and use that power against an elected official. Now, that's that's just I mean, any any American citizen that thinks that a particular oligarchy like Disney should have that kind of power. Um, I mean, just just, you know, move to Russia, move to China, move, move anywhere else in the world. But that's not what the United States is about. I am in the real estate business for 40 years, 40 years. And I I know what the, those 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 laws are. They're, they're called special districts. They're called something different in various states metropolitan districts, municipal utility districts, special districts. What these constructs do is allow a developer and a development a period of time to raise municipal bond financing to get started when something's hard to get financed. That gets done and it gets done over a period of time and then it, then it expires. This has been going on for almost, I don't know, what's 50, 60 years. Nobody gives a, a corporation 60 years and, an, and a perpetual license to run and control themselves and a government. That's a, that's a, that's right, just that's, a okay. version. All right. That's a somewhat different argument, but a good argument. That is, it's there was a kind of special privilege given to Disney, correct? It's and okay to give it. special privileges for a period of time to get something started, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. go it, on. It was kind of an autonomy, too, right, to Disney yes. that DeSantis yeah. thought was dangerous. Look, Disney, whether it's in California or in Florida, they're engaged in a kind of cultural grooming project with a yes. lot of what they're doing to yes. condition kids about sexuality, all this social justice stuff that is outside the bounds of traditional you know, the traditional American way of life. And I think DeSantis saw that, was worried about it, and in a responsible way, made sure that they did not have the kind of autonomy that other corporations don't have, and that there would be a check on all this immense power that Disney has. I, I the real, the real answer to the, the real answer to the question is, if Disney showed up today in Florida or any other state in America and said, we would like this unbridled power, who would, who would give it to them? So, Elon Musk. Okay, uh, tell me, Joel. I love it when um, when our rich oligarchs in Wall Street and and uh, policymakers and elected officials argue with each other about what's right and what's wrong. Okay. Does one person have the? Uh, is are they the arbiter of what free speech is? I, I you know no, of course not. But I think the one thing from a from a practical standpoint that he exposed is that virtually nobody on the board, other than the guy who's getting off in May, owns any stock in the company. So you're supposed to have a public company and you're supposed to look to the shareholders and the, and the valuation of your company and the future of it. And you got a board, it's, it's governed by a board that has no incentive whatsoever for this company to succeed. And I think that that's something that, um, that, that says a lot about public companies and it says a lot about Wall Street in general, and it says a lot about the finance industry 
in, in, as, as a whole. What about the whole uh, free speech thing? It, it does seem that he wants to open it up uh, to more free exchange of ideas. True? Not true? I hope he does. I mean, you know, God bless him. I hope he does. Um, it, it, it remains to see, be seen if he does. But it sounds like it sounds good. Two, two cheers from us. At least one. Brian, what do you think? You know, one, I'm a huge fan of the internal combustion engine. So right. I, 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 I'm not really an electric. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really an electric car guy. Okay. But I, Are you opposed I, to rocket ships, Sue? Oh no, I love rocket ships. I was going to okay. segue into. I was going to segue into rocket ships. No, I think Musk's Musk, and you know, from an engineering point of view, is a very creative guy. And uh, look, I love the idea that he, Genius, was, right? like, like Joel said, he was going after. You know, we have these oligarchs who don't like to be told what to do, and someone was telling. Musk, what to do, and he wanted to to change that. Look, I think these te- I think these tech companies like Twitter are need to be broken up some way somehow, and there has to be freedom of speech again. And what I was really interested in was the response by Twitter and just what fascists these people are. And they think they think freedom is being able to control people's speech, which is just a okay. kind of ga- a gaslighting that is just insane. But I will say to Musk and to all of his creativity, his whole Starlink system about providing global Internet access is seems like a very good idea to me from a freedom point of view. And also you saw in Ukraine, the uh, the Russians were engaging in electronic warfare, shutting down parts of the grid in Ukraine. And it was Elon Musk's Starlink system that got, basically they, they engaged in a kind of electronic warfare themselves with the Russians on behalf of the Ukrainians to get the Ukrainian system up and running again. And there was a big article yesterday in the Defense Times uh, about about how the our military was was stunned by the efficiency of Elon Musk and his capability of doing that as if this was something that the US government itself did not have and the US military did not have the capability of doing. All right, can I put you down for two cheers for Musk? Yes, but with a very strong bias toward the internal combustion engine. Okay. Right. <laughs> One thing about about Tesla, they uh you got to plug it in and it uses a lot of natural gas and it uses Believe it or not, a lot of coal because Union Pacific Railway just had uh, startling first quarter profits because of all the coal they delivered. So every time that we're trying to turn to be green and turn into electricity, um, we're still using fossil fuels. So if you love the internal combustion engine um, right now, Tesla's still helping. Last thing on Musk, you think he'll prevail? Well, they're going to try to stop him. I would hope that he would prevail because he's very interesting. He's up, you know, he's he's the richest guy in in America. Maybe I don't know what the world. Probably, well, I'm not sure he is or no, not. No, but, that's that's Vladimir Putin. Sorry. Yeah, but it's it's Putin. Maybe the the the, the sheiks in uh, in the Middle East. Oh, and, geez, uh, okay. China. But but uh, he, I, I hope two hundred and seventy-two billion isn't enough. Nope. Nope. Okay. These sovereign wealth funds have trillions. Okay. I mean, they, right. they just, they just right. hide it back. Richard Harvard okay. probably has trillions. You're on a monocle. By the way, well, the Harvard endowments. endowment that they re, the endowment they report is like fifty five billion as of last year. Now, how did a, how did a university, a private university, get a fifty five billion dollar endowment? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Okay, um, by lying. <laughs> Sorry, you worked there. I apologize. Yeah, I did work there, and I studied there. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, this great conversation. Well done, gentlemen. Really well done. Great podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be with you, you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. You know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really 
free. You pay with your privacy. In fact, Internet giants like Big Tech bank on exploiting your data by selling it to the highest bidder. Your business plan, Google has it. Your medical records, Yahoo can sell them to drug companies. You've got to be concerned about your email surveillance. So much of your personal data is at risk by using these free service providers. Companies can sell your data and they can target people with intrusive ads. You open up your email and then there's ad after ad after ad. It also opens you up to identity theft and phishing attacks. That's why I started to use Startmail. It makes me feel safe again. Startmail keeps my email private, period. Every email can be encrypted, even if the recipient does not use encryption. When you delete an email and start mail, it's gone forever. Not floating in the cloud, not able to be recovered somewhere, but gone. And Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Switching to Startmail is seamless, too. You can easily transfer all your current email data, so there's no starting from scratch. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. This feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company but want to protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your information and they can be deleted any time. The thing I like about Startmail is that anytime I'm trying to sign up for a newsletter or I've got to send people my information and I've got to include an email address, it's unavoidable the way technology is. You've got to send that email address. The alias feature here on Startmail allows you to send an email address, still be able to correspond with people, but your real email address is still hidden. It's like an extra layer of protection. Plus, I like spy movies and spy television series, so it makes me feel like a spy. Uh, Listen, I'm joking, but your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. We see this in the news all the time. Email snoops and scammers are taking advantage of the pandemic as phishing has skyrocketed in the last year. You can take control of your privacy with Startmail before it's too late. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. That's half off of the first year. Go to startmail.com slash bill. That's startmail with a T, startmail, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash bill for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash bill. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We will catch up next week. 